The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... Lynn Cooper explains how to mind the gaps when preparing for a job interview or other important meeting. And there are several important meetings on the horizon for members of the American Council of the Blind. Welcome to ACB Reports for February 2011. First, a look at those important meetings for ACB members. The Board of Directors of the American Council of the Blind will meet in Arlington, Virginia on Friday, February 25th. That meeting will be immediately followed by the Affiliate President's Meeting, which begins on Saturday, February 26th, and by the ACB Legislative Seminar, which runs from Sunday, February 27th through Tuesday, March 1st. ACB President Mitch Pomerantz says important information will be presented during these meetings. What I have tried to do is to have a mix of items that uh, will benefit presidents and, and affiliate leaders, things they can take back to their state affiliates to uh, hopefully assist with their operation, and uh, blend that in with a number of, of activities and programs talking about ACB. For example, we're going to have uh, a discussion regarding the recruitment and involvement of students and other younger members because we, we recognize that we want to encourage uh, affiliates to find younger members, whether they're students or not, and get them uh, involved in their affiliate and ultimately in the ACB. We've had some discussion about um, reestablishing leadership development training. We're looking at a couple of ideas. We're looking at uh, having that leadership training in conjunction with an upcoming ACB convention, possibly as early as 2012, and uh, also having uh, some leadership training in the various regions of the country, similar to the one a couple of years back. We're going to discuss uh, the long-awaited database management project. We've already got a, a cadre of, of affiliates that have participated in a uh, what amounts to a beta test so we're going to uh, we're going to talk about that project we're going to uh, spend some time discussing online convention registration uh, how it works we have a couple of state affiliates that are doing it actually I think several and we're going to uh, talk about the nuts and bolts of how you do that uh, as more and more folks start using uh, the internet and computers. We're going to talk about the secret ballot proposal that will be up for a vote this summer at the convention. Uh, as you know, uh, we had a test of that at this past summer's convention, and uh, we're going to discuss uh, how that would work and uh, answer questions that the affiliate presidents and others might have Braille forum. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, uh, well, we... cassettes are going away, and apparently sooner rather than later. So we're going to spend some time discussing where do we go from here once the cassettes disappear. And then we're going to talk about money matters, 
the various initiatives of our, uh, our resource development committee. That will cover Saturday pretty thoroughly. Sunday we've got a couple of things. We're going to discuss our comments uh, in response to the advance notice of proposed rulemaking that the Department of Justice issued last fall. Uh, and We're going to have a panel that worked on those comments talking about what we said. And while you know, folks might think that's more appropriate for the legislative seminar, we know that there are leaders who are unable to attend the legislative seminar. As important an issue as it is, we really, uh, I think, want to let our members, our leaders know uh, what we said and uh, encourage them to, uh, as this process continues, to get their comments in. And then I guess the other kind of interesting topic that we're going to be talking about is encouraging leadership, uh, getting your members to run for office and getting them to take the job seriously once they're elected. I think a lot of states are kind of wrestling with what we call succession planning. You know, who's going to be the next generation of leaders? Who's going to pick up the reins when uh, some of us decide that, uh, you know, we kind of like to take it easy a little bit. And then we're going to wrap up with office hours. Folks can ask me questions, ask the executive director questions. Saturday the 26th, uh, we'll really, we'll probably start about 11 in case we need a couple of hours early in the morning to wrap up the board meeting. So we'll, we'll run from 11 to 5.15 Saturday, and then Sunday we'll run from 9 till about uh, 11.45 or 12. In several recent shows, we've had Eric Bridges on with the legislative issues. So many of the things that have been the key pieces of our legislative seminar for the last three or four years have come to fruition in the past year, which is a good thing. But that also means that the legislative seminar will be of slightly different structure content-wise this year. What can you tell us about that? It is going to be different. One of the areas that ACB has... Uh, looked at over the past few years, although not recently, is what uh, the Center for uh, Medicare and Medicaid Services, I think is, is the, the name, uh, we just call it CMS, what they will pay for in terms of adaptive equipment, uh, assistive technology for blind and visually impaired people. Right now they pay for almost nothing. They'll pay for glasses. They'll, they'll pay for, for handheld magnifiers. And yet, uh, they will pay for fairly fancy wheelchairs for people with orthopedic disabilities. They'll pay for a number of items. The notion being, I guess, their directive is to pay for those items which allow for someone to live in their homes as opposed to having to be placed in a nursing home, an assisted living facility, having to move in with their children, whatever. With a very few exceptions over the years, and those exceptions have only occurred due to litigation. They will not pay for CCTVs. They will not pay for any device that would allow a blind or visually impaired person to remain independent in their home. For example, allowing them to have a portable CCTV so they can do their own mail, so they can pay their own bills, so that they can look at a can 
and determine this the green beans or the fruit salad. And we believe that's a, a real miscarriage of justice, so to speak. So we are going to begin what I expect to be a very long process of educating our legislators, of meeting with officials at CMS to get them to either change their policies through some kind of uh, alteration in the regulations, or if we must, through legislation. And the fact of the matter is we know this isn't going to happen this year, probably won't happen next year, but we're a patient lot and we're going to begin the process now. And the first step is to educate our members to understand what the issues are and to get them to be able to then go to their legislators and say, here's our problem. We need this kind of durable medical equipment to allow us to remain independent just as someone with an orthopedic disability, needs a wheelchair, needs a walker, needs whatever. So that's going to be a big item. We're going to be focusing on a piece of legislation that we had some peripheral involvement in uh, with the last couple of years, and that's um, legislation to relax some of the restrictions that were imposed three or four years back on those organizations which sell motor vehicles, which actually pick up vehicles uh, and sell them at auction and have the proceeds go to uh, an organization. ACB has a vehicle donation program. A number of our state affiliates do as well. And the rather restrictive legislation that was passed three or four years ago has really hurt the vehicle donation business. And we believe that some minor tweaking of that statute will um, allow us to return to better days insofar as receiving income for the sale of automobiles. So we're going to be involved in that because it affects ACB and a lot of our state affiliates that have this program. We're going to, I think, have a presentation on the new Title II and Title III ADA regulations. Eric is working on that. We have a contact at the Department of Justice um, who made an excellent presentation at the California Convention, and we're going to try and, and have a, a similar presentation to bring our folks up to speed because the ADA regs have changed, I think definitely for the better, but uh, we want to make sure our folks are knowledgeable. Not sure what else. We might uh, return to some discussion on the uh, notice of proposed rulemaking. As I indicated earlier, ACB submitted comments in three areas on um, proposed regulations dealing with, uh, with web accessibility, on uh, captioning and audio description. Of course, we commented on audio description. And then on uh, equipment and furniture. And what we're talking about here are things like accessible kiosks, home appliances, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we will probably have um, more of an in-depth discussion at the legislative seminar, uh, although we'll, we'll have an overview during the president's meeting as well.
That was ACB President Mitch Pomerantz. For more information about these upcoming events, visit acb.org or contact the American Council of the Blind at the phone number which will be given at the conclusion of ACB Reports. What does a potential employer see when you walk in the door to file an application or for an interview? Lynn Cooper from the Mirrors Project says it is very important to mind the gaps, not just in potential employment situations, but at social events and casual visits as well. I am back with another Power of Your Picture Mirrors Project segment, and this one is a short but powerful list of things to consider when you are about to go on a job interview, whether that interview be in a formal setting in someone's office or over lunch, which is being done a lot more nowadays, or breakfast, or you're just going to be at a networking event, be it at your social club or local church or community center. Here we have a few ways to mind the gaps. Just what does the employer see in you? Because remember, there's always a receiver and a sender. And when we are trying to send a particular message, we have to make sure that that receiver is getting it. What I have done is I've looked at four general categories that are really important and in any situation we're in. Minding the gaps. G refers to gestures. Everything from handshakes, an okay sign, the way we communicate non-verbally with our body. A head nod to mean yes or no. A, then, as we spell the word gaps, refers to appearance, how we use our clothing and our accessories to speak for us. Appropriateness also is another thing that we use that A for in gaps because we can be dressed beautifully, but we may be dressed inappropriately, or we may be dressed too formally or too casually. We have to really consider when we are adorning ourselves if it is appropriate. Then we have the letter P, and that refers to our posture, when we are sitting, when we are standing, and when we are walking. Then we have speech, the final S. What we want to do is make sure that we have minded the major gaps so that those little details, such as being beautifully put together, shoes shine, nails clean, hair in place, well-shaved, well-groomed, jewelry appropriate, everything is right on, our resume is in our case and it's flat and it's typo checked and what have you. And then we find that a pigeon did its thing from on high and we now, unbeknownst to us, have a little schmutz on our shoulder. Unfortunately, the human eye is trained through the millennium to look for what is amiss. So whatever person we're meeting who potentially has an opportunity for us is going to focus on what is amiss. So we want to, as many steps through the process, use that human mirror to make sure that our gestures, our appearance, our posture, and our speech are as appropriate and are as right on and targeted to that particular situation as possible. Human mirrors are so critical. They are a really powerful, important element in keeping ourselves online, in control, 
and appropriately directed toward our goal. Sometimes it's a friend, sometimes it's a colleague, somebody who you feel totally comfortable with in that they will tell you the truth. Yes, that is appropriate. Yes, that is within the dress code. Yes, they have been online and helped you research through going to the website, through sitting outside of the door of the office to see whether or not you have a clear understanding of the dress code, what is appropriate for that interview. And do you look lint-free, dog hair-free? This human mirror is going to say, yes, that hairdo is appropriate. No, that hairdo is not. Yes, your beard is maintained properly and cleanly. No, it is not. Your shoes need shining. Your jacket needs dry cleaning, what have you. The human mirror is the most powerful partnership, I believe, on earth. It is really an important way to get a loving, gentle, feedback and a reading. Do we speak as well as we'd like to? Are we saying the right thing? Sometimes we're not aware, um, 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 we may not even be aware that we are doing it. And that is why it's not a bad idea at all to use that human mirror when we've minded all of our gaps to sit down with that human mirror and to role play an interview. Let me start with gestures. A good handshake. Oh my goodness, my pop had a factory. My dad would take my sister and myself through the factory and he would have us shaking the hands of his employees. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so little and I'm a girl, I don't need to shake hands. Well, it turns out that it's important for all of us. He was giving me an incredible gift, the concept of a good handshake, and it has served me through life. Ladies and gentlemen, right hand, we want to meet the crotch, and that is that, that skin between the forefinger and the thumb, to our partners. We want to shake appropriate to what they gave us. We don't want to use a wet fish handshake. We don't want to, on the other hand, use the grip of death. Ladies, sometimes men do not understand that shaking is not a sexual thing. It is the same for a woman as a man. So sometimes men will give a finishing school handshake Ladies, do not just present the tips of your fingers, a good handshake, because it's a way to connect. It's essential for people with visual impairments because you have a read on who's in the room with you. It's a way to extend your hand from the waist and to show people that you want to connect. Because a lot of times, if you're not familiar, uh, a sighted person may not know that we want to shake hands. Now, the handshake should be upon entering and upon exiting. So you make a connection initially, you walk into that room, and you extend your hand toward the person that you are meeting. Another very, very, very important element in gestures, Mike, is a smile, an appropriate smile, not the blindism smile constantly. That is as inappropriate as no smile. We want to, as they say, look alive. There's many, many other gestures, but those two gestures are very, very important. A the next letter is appearance. And this is really key for the human mirror, just as it is for a handshake and a smile, but the human mirror has a real opportunity here to jump in and be of help. You want to reflect the way that the employee looks for the position you are aiming for, but you want to have a gilded mirror. So imagine you're going to reflect to them what they are showing you as far as their adornment, their appearance, but you want to have a gilded mirror. Human resources people might tell me that people who have applied for really rather low-level 
manual labor positions who went into that interview with dress pants, a dress shirt, maybe a tie, not a jacket necessarily, clean shoes, very important. Once again, because the human eye goes to those things that are amiss, and already it's paying attention to the cane and possibly the service animal, so you have to make sure we make that connection. What happens is that person who is dressed well but a notch better will stand out. It shows respect for you. It shows respect for the employer, and it shows that you are going to go a little bit above what is expected. Trust me, so much is said before one opens their mouth. So what I suggest doing is to take that interview outfit where you know for a fact to go into a job interview, you're going to need a suit. You're going to need that suit pressed and lint-free. You're going to need a pair of socks, gentlemen, to the knee, not to the ankle, so that you run the risk of having that skin showing between the sock and the pant hem. You want to have a tie. You want to have a dress shirt. Make sure that it's not frayed. Make sure if it's buttoned down, that's actually buttoned down the collar. You want to take all elements, including the shoes, Mike. I say for women, all elements, including hose, the whole kit and caboodle, put it in a zip garment bag to keep it lint-free in the back of your closet. Wherever you know that you will not be likely to go into that for day-to-day wear, That means when you get a call for a job interview or you get a networking opportunity, you have done everything you need to make sure that that outfit is perfect. Then there is no worries because chances are your mind's going to be running about 9 million other things the morning of an interview. Another very important tip, and I cannot stress this enough, I have hired people based on this. Thank you, no. Now, many of us who are as old as I am were raised to always send a thank you note, and I am old school. I send pen to paper, and I cannot tell you how many times people will comment on that and say, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how rare that is to get a thank you note, whether you get the job or not. You have an interview, or somebody decides to give you five, ten minutes of their time, as we call them an investigative interview, where you want to find out what it's like to be in this particular position, there is never too many thank you notes. It is a good idea to give a thank you note if you had an interview, if you get the job, certainly, but if you don't get the job. It just sends such a wonderful message, and it is an important part of keeping your name and your face in front of a potential employer who may not have a position at that time, but may have such a lovely image of you in their minds that they will now refer you to their friend. A very, very important tip and part of this appearance in grooming is fingernails. We go through the day. We take a shower. Our nails are clean. We wash our hands at home. Our nails are clean. Now we get on the bus. Now we walk. We have slipped on our gloves. All of these things are depositing schmutz under our fingernails. Now we go into the job interview. And once again, if someone is visually impaired, as we all know, we may not be aware of chipped fingernails or dirty fingernails. Years ago, when I first came to Blind Service Association here in Chicago, I ran into a woman who was working for a very high-level employment search firm. She said she had a client who was going for a $500,000 a year job. 
this gentleman was hoping to become the chief financial officer for a very large multinational company. He had done everything. His paperwork was in order. His resume was in order. His experience was top-notch. He was searched and vetted like top-secret part of the military. He was skilled. He had everything they needed. So now is the time where he sits at a conference table for this final interview, and he's with the board of directors. He gets out of the interview. He thinks it went fabulously because he spoke the part. He knew the part. The company called my friend an hour later and said, I am so sorry. We feel very bad, but your applicant did not get the job. Well, you can imagine that everybody was beside themselves at the uh, search firm. They thought, well, wait a minute, what's going on? They did not have to say this. They were being polite, but they said, a number of our directors noted that while he had all of the intellectual information that was needed to fill this position, his fingernails, as he was gesturing and speaking, were absolutely filthy. Those little details. So what I suggest to people, buy a 99-cent nail brush. Put it in a small Ziploc bag as you go into the interview. You're always going to allow yourselves a few minutes to be early. Go into the restroom and scrub your fingernails. Now we have P, and P stands for posture. Years ago, I heard a wonderful quote. We are only powerful when we are perceived as being powerful. Posture is very important when we are sitting, standing, and walking. We want to project an image of power. We want to sit erect, we want to stand erect, and we want to walk as erect as possible. Now granted, we have a cane, we might have a service animal in front of us, we might have somebody whose elbow we're holding onto to guide us. In any case, it is an image of weakness when we put our chin toward the ground. So what we want to do as much as possible, we want to keep our chin level parallel to the ground. And if we do have sight, residual sight or or low vision with which to see our path, we want to lower our eyes. Now that is if possible. If we absolutely need to put our head down to check our footing and to see what is in front of us, do what you need to do. I'm not suggesting in any way anybody be unsafe. But if possible, especially when one is sitting or one is standing, Think throughout the day of that posture check, shoulders up to the ears, straight back and down will give you the ideal, natural, correct posture. And finally, speech. We are going to speak as clearly as we can with good volume. We're not going to speak softly because people are going to take that as a sign of weakness. We are going to speak as clearly as we can and omit that verbal garbage. Minding the gaps is very, very important, just as we found in the subway. If those little details are not paid attention to, they can bring you down figuratively and literally. So that's minding the gaps, Mike, and um, making more sure that all of these little details are seen to so that we can ah, relax and be our sparkling best. Visit Lynn at her website, lynncooper.us. That's L-Y-N-N-C-O-O-P-E-R dot U-S. 
You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.